0: to wellness realness with christina rice i'm your host christina I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner, holistic health coach, Reiki practitioner, and the creator of ChristinaRiceWellness.com, where you can find my blog, recipes, services, programs, and ebooks. In this podcast, I'll be discussing all things related to health and wellness, and I promise to always keep it very real. Remember my disclaimer. The information in this podcast is general health and nutrition advice and is not a replacement for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you'd like to submit a question or a topic for me to discuss, submit it on the podcast page at ChristinaRiceWellness.com. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating and a review on iTunes, and join our Facebook group, Wellness Wellness Podcast Tribe. I don't know about you, but 2020 has been going so well for me. I totally overhauled my daily routine. I'm on a really good... Wake up early, start time, getting so much done. I've been super productive. I've been talking about all these different projects I have planned for this year, and I just feel like with this new schedule and routine and how productive I'm being, I will definitely accomplish everything this year that I hope to, which makes me so excited. And I won't lie, I think my daily matcha latte habit has also helped as well. I used to take a lot more breaks in between my work, and now I'm at this stage where I have so many things I'm trying to get done that I wake up, I have like an hour to myself, and then I hop on the computer and I am there pretty much all day. And then I sprinkle in podcasts and clients, but a lot of it is just at the computer working and. Honestly, my blue blocks, blue light glasses have been saving me because I know that when I'm on the computer for long periods of time, my eyes start to really hurt and I start to get a headache and I just feel weird. I also start to get really moody just looking at the screen all day is is not good and especially in the evening if I do need to work past when it gets dark which typically I do because right now it gets dark at like 4:30 here in San Diego so I'm usually working beyond that so I wear my blue light blocking glasses which is so helpful and my favorite company for blue light blocking glasses is Blue Blocks if you haven't already listened to my episode with the founder Andy Mant he gets into the science behind the blue light blocking glasses from Blue Blocks, and you will definitely want to listen to that. That is episode 230, but brief version is... Blue Blocks, blue light blocking glasses are the best because they are the only brand out there that sells glasses 100% backed by the science and they test these glasses to make sure of it. A lot of glasses out there have the orange lens or even the red lens, but they don't block the full blue and green spectrum that we need to to get the health benefits and Blue Blocks test for all of this so they are totally backed by science and you'll notice the difference when you wear their red lenses. Their sleep plus red lens is meant for when the sun goes down, when it gets dark, Put these on. It will help to improve your sleep, reduce your anxiety, calm you down, and you'll notice the effects the next day when you have more energy, you're more productive, and your hunger is more regulated. All of that is connected with sleep, and blocking blue light is of the utmost importance because there's such an environmental mismatch going on right now in our world, and this is why a lot of people have health issues. And then so many of us are on our computers all day long, so that's when the blue light clear lens would come in. That's what I'm wearing right now. It's a daytime filtering lens that looks like a clear lens, and this is great for people who work in more natural lighting during the day, and it just helps to prevent any digital eye strain, macular degeneration, any migraines or headaches. And then there's also their summer glow yellow lens, which is good for people who work under more intense artificial lighting And or if anyone struggles with seasonal depression or anxiety, these work by blocking the portion of blue light responsible for those issues, and it helps uplift your mood with the color therapy. They have about 20 different frames you can pick from. You can also send in your own frames or get a custom prescription made. And these glasses actually look fashionable. And I get compliments all the time when I wear my blue light glasses during the day and I'm out working. People will ask me where they're from. You've got to focus on sleep if you want to balance out your hormones, improve your productivity, increase your energy, balance out your mood. And it all starts with the nighttime routine ritual. And wearing your blue light blocking glasses is one of the easiest things you can do. It doesn't take you any time. And if you really want to up your sleep game, definitely check out their Remedy Sleep Mask, which is amazing for improving your REM and deep sleep cycles. So if you want to check out Blue Blocks Blue Light Blocking Glasses, just go to blueblocks.com. That's spelled B L U B L O dot com. And my code wellness will get you 15% off. Again, that's blueblocks.com, B-L-U-B-L-O-X dot com. And my code wellness, W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S, will get you 15% off. Such an easy change to make to enhance your productivity. And I have been super diligent about this during the day. I'm being really diligent about all the little things that go into being as productive as possible and having as much energy as possible and my brain has just been on fire in the best way possible. This year I have so much content I want to put out there and just continue to connect with you guys. So first of all, thank you for being here. But if you're not already in our Facebook group, Wellness Realness Podcast Tribe, definitely join so that we can connect in there further. It's a really great way to meet other listeners and chat about pretty much anything. I get a lot of inspiration from you guys in there, so I appreciate when you when you share things in there, and that's actually what we're going to talk about today. I got a really great question in that group that I want to dive into, but also before I forget, I wanted to let you know, if you haven't already heard, I'm going to do a social media detox starting Monday, January 27th through Monday, February 3rd. 3rd. So that's going to be seven days. So going off social media on Monday and coming back on on Monday the 3rd. I do these every few months and I just feel so rejuvenated afterwards. And like it, it just clears my head. I'm able to get so much done when I'm not on social media. It's really interesting how this all happens. It just opens up brain space. And I know a lot of you feel great afterwards too, but it's easier to do a social media detox when you do it as a group. So that's why I really encourage you to join in on the social media detox. We were talking about it in the Facebook group, but I know a lot of people are going to join in this time, which I'm super excited about. It's a great way to kick off 2020 and go into another new month just with a clear head and give yourself some space. And I promise going off social media for one week is You're not going to miss anything. It's going to be fine. Anything crucial you will find out about, (laughs) I promise. And much of my job is on social media, so if I can do this, you can do it. I think it's a good test for yourself to see if you are addicted. These are addictive technologies we use every day, addictive apps, and I think it's good to detox from it and then come back feeling more alive and having better boundaries moving forward. Remember, boundaries are how you continue relationships, not how you end them. So that's why they're so healthy to create. And sometimes we don't know what boundaries we need until we completely detach from something for some time. If you don't want to do the full seven days, then don't worry about it. Join in for one day, two days, three days, five days, whatever you can do. But I really encourage you to try it out, especially if you've never done one before. They are so good. And people always say, oh, I can't do it this time because this is happening. And unless you have a job where you literally have to post to Instagram or Facebook during that week, that's not a fair excuse. But I would love for you to join in if you can. So I will be off social media next week just so you know in case you're wondering where I am. Although I'm sure I'll post something (laughs) letting everyone know where I am. And yeah, would love to have you join in, and we are all going to do it as a group. Wellness Realness Podcast Tribe, going strong. Okay, so today I just wanted to answer a really great question, a really interesting question. Well, it's like a paragraph question that someone someone posted it in the Facebook group, and I just thought, I need to do a whole podcast on this. So that's what we're doing today. So I'm going to read this whole paragraph <laughs> to you, and then I'll move from there. So this is what she sent in. You interviewed Kayla about the all-in perspective, and of course I loved it, and I love her too. But I have some issues with the recovery space associated with it, in that it defends that the solution for all of people's health problems are caused by de- restriction and will be solved by eating all of the things. I was actually kind of shamed in her Facebook group because I suggested one of your podcast episodes and they told me your account was triggering and orthorexic and that nutritional science is a scam, blah, blah. And that concerned me because many of the girls are feeling even worse in recovery and eating exclusively sugary things. Of course, allowing all foods could be really key for the mental aspect, but I would love to hear you talk about under eating recovery with real food. Also, I don't agree that binge eating is always caused by restriction, and I have my own experience with this. When I was a kid, I was thin. My family couldn't care less about body shape and size. I literally always wanted to eat, even being full. And it could be stuff like canned beans with sugar and other really weird things. So again, oversimplification. It frustrates me. Also... It was exactly the episode that got me to eat more. I felt really ashamed and they said things like if you're hearing this kind of th- stuff then you're not recovered, hun, and calling me out by using words like real food. In the comments, I said that the only reason it would be absolutely necessary to include highly palatable and processed foods were a, you're afraid of it and must do it to challenge the mental aspect, and b, your system is so compromised that it makes it easier for you to eat. It was a whole drama and of course I left the group. It's disheartening because Kayla is not really like that at all and is really open-minded. Okay, what an interesting topic and one that I'm very glad she brought up because this is something I feel quite passionately about. So to start off, if you are not familiar with what she's talking about, what she's referring to, she's talking about my interview with Kayla Kotecki, which was episode 254 And I would just like to reiterate that Kayla is extremely open-minded. She is such a gem, such a sweet person, and whatever shaming seemed to have gone on between this person who sent in this question and some girls in that Facebook group is definitely no reflection on Kayla herself. I'm sure it's a big Facebook group, and you know how Facebook groups can sometimes get when everyone just runs wild with their opinion. And if you're not familiar with Kayla, she popularized the all-in approach to overcoming a history of dieting, restricting, whether that be with food, exercise, or both. And what the all-in approach is, is basically eat to satiety for as long as it takes until your hunger evens out and your body evens out and just basically don't restrict for as long as you need to. And with exercise, just stop exercising. So this typically looks like somebody who's coming from a very restrictive state, overtraining, not eating enough food, having all these food rules, and they just they go all in. They eat all the things, they're often eating five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten thousand calories a day, who knows? And not working out and usually results in some weight gain. It lasts a good amount of time. It's different for every person, some people a few months, some people a few years, and then over time, their hunger starts to even out. They're not starving or ravenous anymore because when you come from a restrictive past with food, you tend to get very ravenous once you start giving yourself more food, and then eventually everything normalizes again, and that is the general idea behind the all-in perspective. Now, the all-in approach itself is quite controversial. Or, well, it seems to be, because as different people in the fitness space, the health space, have talked about it, a lot of people get very, very upset. And this comes back to this whole idea of food shaming that comes from both sides. So we have some people shaming the all-in perspective, saying that it's promoting more eating disorders and promoting binge eating and unhealthy to let your body hit such a high weight and not having You know, any type of concern about the foods that are going in your body, how much, all of this. And I feel like this is mostly in the fitness space. And then we have the opposite side, the people who are all about the all-in approach, who will shame anyone who has any type of dietary restriction or, you know, has any type of formal exercise routine or rules around how they eat. Yeah. So it comes from both sides and it's not everybody. Not everybody, but I'm just saying there are there are groups of people on both sides of the spectrum who are doing this type of shaming, which I have a problem with, both sides. I'm over the food shaming. I won't stand for it. If food shaming ever comes on my page, I will shut you down immediately. Don't have time for it. Obviously, I can't stop the food shaming that goes on outside of my space, but I can set boundaries in my realm of the internet, and in my realm of the universe, and it just really saddens me that people take to this food shaming. But going back to things we've talked about before, what this is with the food shaming is simply a reflection of that own person's insecurities and what that person is going through. So I personally had to do my version of an all-in approach for quite some time, and I did need it to heal. And as somebody who has worked with countless clients and just talked to many people in this space, in some situations, the traditional all-in approach, I see a time and a place for. And in other situations, I don't. Because like the person who asked this question said, binge eating restriction, it's not so black and white, and it's not so simplified. And I understand, I do not justify, but I understand why the people in this Facebook group might have jumped on her comment. Coming from personal experience, and again, having worked with a lot of clients who are coming from a history of disordered eating, but let me talk about my personal experience. So when I was super underweight and malnourished, and I mean, uh, I needed to gain weight. Like, that was it. I needed to gain weight. I had become so orthorexic. I was afraid of so many foods. And I needed to just eat all the food, stop all the exercise. And that that was my goal. That's what I needed for my body. But I am in a world where everyone around me is talking about losing weight and working out. And go hard or go home, and I'm I'm obsessed and I'm fascinated with health and nutrition and fitness and everyone around me, I'm, I'm watching all these people and I'm, I'm jealous, I'm jealous that they get to work out almost every day and they get to go to the gym and they can eat their clean meals and I am jealous in my head because I know I just have to sit here and eat all the things I can do, stuff myself as much as I can, I can't work out, I feel like Resentful. Okay. That was my headspace. I remember this. I was so out of my mind. I, I, <laughs> my cognition was not working right. I was so malnourished, but also I was mentally ill. Like I was sick. Okay. I was so depressed, had such severe anxiety, and was so orthorexic that I just saw the world through this lens. And I, I just wanted to be normal. I just wanted to be a normal person. I just wanted to do what I wanted to do. And here I have my nutritionist, my therapist, my doctors mandating, eat all the food, eat all the food, no exercise. And this whole process for me at the beginning was very much just like, I know this is uncomfortable, but duck down, do it, put your head down, just do it. It sucks, but you can't sit here and just you know, not do it because you have to get better. So it was just like grin and bear it the whole time for me. But while I was in that space, because I I was so resentful to the rest of the world, I start projecting my experience on everyone else. And anything I see, whether that be on social media, anyone who's talking about if I hear someone talking about weight loss or talking about increasing their workouts or talking about, you know, eating less food, I am immediately triggered and I'm saying, no, that's a disordered thought process everyone needs to work out less, and everyone needs to eat more, because that's what I had to do, and I was still sick and resentful, and had such a bad mindset, and I'm just projecting my experience on everyone else, and I want everybody else to have to go through what I'm going through. That That's the subconscious thought patterns that are going on, and at the time, I didn't I didn't realize that, right? I didn't I didn't realize that's how I was thinking or feeling. I didn't have words to articulate it, but I would get upset and triggered anytime somebody talked about weight loss or anytime somebody talked about eating less food or giving advice to work out more, eat less, eat these portions. It was triggering me because it made me feel like I was doing things wrong. So these girls in this Facebook group, many of them might be in a similar situation where they are still uncomfortable with the fact that they need to, quote, go all in. That's very uncomfortable for them. And they're projecting their own place in life onto everybody else. And I see this all over social media. I see a lot of women who have found food freedom in a certain way just pushing that, shoving that down everybody else's throats. And guess what? Your way to food freedom is probably going to be different than mine and probably going to be different than Sally Sue over here. Everybody is going to find it in a different way. Guess what? Not everybody needs the same thing. There are certain people who need to work out less, eat more. There are certain people who actually do need to work out more and eat less. It depends what their health issues are and where their mental status is at. Their goals, their biology, so much goes into it. There is not a cookie cutter approach. This is true when working towards recovery from binge eating, from a history of dieting or restriction. There are so many different types of eating disorders and different paths to follow to get recovery. And I think it's really unfair to put everybody in one box. Sometimes eating all the things helps and sometimes eating all the things does not. And people need to be really careful about what they're shoving down other people's throats. Bad pun. I'm saying their philosophy, the philosophy that they're shoving down people's throats because it can actually cause more eating disorders. And I have a personal experience with this. Um, I have definitely been wanting to, at some point, record a podcast just about my history with binge eating disorder because it, there is a lot, I have such, so many, so many things to say about binge eating. And I've, I've gone through ups and downs with this in my life. But my I struggled with binge eating and then pulled myself together, made myself healthier, felt so much better when I started eating cleaner and exercising for the first time in my life. I had never done that before. And after I started doing that, my urges to binge went down by about 75% and then later when I healed my gut, from the candida overgrowth that I found out I had, my urges to binge completely went away because there was more than one thing causing my binge eating behaviors, which I'll touch on a bit later. Fast forward and I got really sick and I was severely malnourished. I was super underweight. I had all of these gut infections. I was very orthorexic. I also had exercise addiction. And part of the process of pulling myself out of that was eating a lot of food, eating a lot of calories and not working out. So for months, years, years, I was told by all of my, all the health professionals around me, you need to put on weight. You need to eat more food over and over and over again. This was drilled in my head. And I developed this severe fear of eating too little. And I want to try and be as clear as I can with that because obviously it is not good to eat too little, but there's a difference between wanting to be healthy and having a fear of eating too little to the point of it pushing you in the direction of binging even after you've physically healed because you still have that deep-rooted guilt and fear around eating any normal-sized portions. And for a long time, I felt quite tortured in my brain because there was a big part of me that was so afraid of ever getting too thin again because I didn't want to be sick. And that was a very scary part of my life. And when I was going through all that, I hated the way I looked. I hated how I was so thin. I, I had so many cognitive issues physically i was in pain all the time i was so insecure i felt dead inside i just felt like i didn't have my life so i thought i need to just eat as much as i can so that that never happens to me again but at the same time i'm in this culture where i've been taught don't be don't be too overweight either don't be fat don't be chubby right so it's this really weird like cognitive dissonance is like part of you is so afraid to be thin so you're like I need to eat more food and the part of you is like shit I've been taught that if I eat all this food I'm gonna get fat and I don't want that to happen either and it's confusing as hell when <laughs> your brain isn't working properly to begin with because you are just so malnourished so for years this is what's drilled into me I need to put on weight need to eat more food and so I did it for years did it got in a routine. And I pounded the food. And I would also like to take a moment to point out that for my body in particular, it wasn't until I eliminated the foods I was intolerant to and focused on a whole foods diet that I was able to put on that healthy weight that I needed. Because when I was trying to do it by just eating A lot of the things that irritated my gut, my body just kept losing weight and I wasn't responding. So it wasn't until I ate a diet that allowed my gut to heal that I was able to put on that healthy weight and move towards recovery. So while some people might think that being gluten-free and dairy-free in recovery is restrictive, that's not true for everybody. For me, it was actually how I found freedom because it is part of what helped me heal, because my body couldn't put on weight until I totally eliminated the foods that were irritating my gut so much. But then they reached a point where I was, you know, closer to my, quote, average weight, and my hunger had calmed down, and I kind of felt like everybody was watching me and I felt a lot of pressure in many directions. I had been painted as the underweight, malnourished girl, so that's how most people saw me, and it was just this message from everybody that I always needed to keep eating a lot more, and I always needed to put on weight, and being told by so many people that I just need to push past all of my hunger signals. And... I also had a bit of a chip on my shoulder, to be honest, and just wanted to prove to people that I wasn't orthorexic, that I would eat any foods that I wasn't totally intolerant to. So, to prove that, I just kept eating far past satiety and would eat a lot of, you know, sugary filled foods. And there was nothing wrong with that. But the problem was I was eating so far past the point of satiety where I felt so physically uncomfortable. I felt sick. I thought I was going to throw up. And I wasn't in a place in my body where I needed to do that anymore. I didn't need to be eating eight to 10,000 calories that whole time. And instead of listening to my body and ramping down a little, and still eating quite enough, but just not pushing it so hard to the point of discomfort. That's what I did to try and kind of prove a point, point. and I felt like I had people on my back for so long that I just wanted to almost send them a message like, I'm fine, I'll eat as much as I want, don't worry about me. And especially in in this health space where I was very well aware of all of the chatter going around. (laughs) Really unfair judgments saying that people who are gluten-free are restrictive and just trying to be on a diet, and that's not true at all, and I was trying to prove that point in a way that I shouldn't have, and it was really silly of me to do this, but I'm just being honest about kind of this – this grudge i held and i just wanted to make the point because being gluten-free, dairy-free, paleo for me wasn't about weight loss at all and i just wanted to make the point that i would still eat plenty of food and i that i ate paleo because that's literally what my body needed to heal but in doing that i just made myself feel very awful often because i was overeating a lot of very sugary things that made me feel quite sick, and it, it turned into binge eating again. And some of my gut infections came back. I knew that it was very mentally unhealthy, and I felt a bit trapped, to be honest. And then I ended up working with a nutritional therapy practitioner, And she didn't already have this. Any she didn't have any preconceived notions about me. Okay, so she didn't see me. She didn't know me as a chronically malnourished girl because I think that sometimes people, when they know you in that phase, they assign you that label forever. And I felt this incredible amount of guilt almost about exiting that role which is very interesting but when i started working with this nutritional therapy practitioner and i gave her my food log she said are you really hungry for all this food because you eat more than than double what most men eat and i explained to her that i had always i've always been someone with a big appetite i've always been the type of person who eats more than other people but that i eat far, I ate at the time far beyond my satiety levels and I tried to make myself eat desserts as often as I could because I felt worried that I would lose weight again and I didn't want that to happen. And she explained to me that She thought if anything, everything I was eating was just making my gut issues worse and that I would be more than okay if I just ate to satiety because I was still going to be a lot more than the average person ate. And this was the first time anyone gave me permission to follow my body's hunger signals. And At this moment, I started to see that I had been using food almost as a punishment instead of a way to heal, because I was trying to prove a point to everybody on the internet shaming people who ate healthy, which, uh, man, I've learned a lot, you guys. <laughs> the reason I share this part of the story is because I want people to understand that you can, you can food shame people <laughs> into binge eating, I felt pressure from all the people on the internet saying that you have an eating disorder if you if you eat paleo or if you eat gluten-free and dairy-free or that you have orthorexia if you eat healthy. All of these quote intuitive eaters, not all of them. I'm sorry. Not all of them, but there is a group of them who were putting out these messages and I felt angry and upset and wanting to prove a point because that wasn't true at all and I I went so far in the other direction that I got in this pattern of overeating, eating until, until I felt sick. And then because I was also dealing with these emotional issues, it I became basically addicted to it. And I started binge eating again. So there's another side to it. And there are some people who use dietary restrictions and labels As a dieting excuse, there are people who do that, but there are a lot of people who don't do that, who eat that way because it makes them feel their best. And I just think it's really unfair for us to assign our own experiences to other people the same way that it's not fair for me to ever say that everyone else should eat the way that I eat. That's not fair. I don't believe that everybody should eat exactly like me. Not everybody has the same body as me or the same experiences as me, the same psychology as me. There are so many differences between all of us. And there are plenty of people, some of them them I'm friends with, who have a strained relationship with food and exercise and they try and project what they are doing, what they need to do onto everybody else. It's like with amenorrhea for example. Some women need to put on a good amount of weight. I needed to put on a good amount of weight to get my period back but there are some people who don't need to put on as much. Sometimes gaining weight is a solution and sometimes it's not. It just depends on the person but Usually, when somebody is pouncing on you about not doing what they're doing, it's just because you're insecure about what they need to do to heal. And when people feel that way, it's not uncommon for them to try and rope everyone else into it alongside them. Because it can be hard for us to wrap our brains around the fact that other people need to follow a different path. But this is good to be aware of when people are giving advice because is it them projecting their own personal experience on to others and saying everyone else needs to do this exact same thing to reach x y and z goal and are they assigning a goal to you that you don't necessarily have or are they offering their personal experience and saying this is one method of potentially hitting that goal or are they are saying, no, this is what people need to do. And this isn't for my own personal experience. This is because this is just what I believe based on science, research, whatever. There are different options, different reasons people recommend different things. So I just think being aware of the fact that sometimes people project their own experiences onto others can be really helpful when we are consuming information. Now, I would like to segue into a discussion about recovering from eating disorders or restrictive eating behaviors and just offer a different perspective in this realm. Now remember, I am not a doctor, I am not a psychiatrist, I am not a therapist, but I am a nutritional therapy practitioner who has Worked with countless women who have struggled with eating disorders or disordered eating or exercise behaviors in the past. Many, many women who have been in treatment facilities. I have many very close friends who have been in inpatient treatment for eating disorders. And I also have many friends now who... Work in treatment facilities for eating disorders, so we discuss this a lot. And I have my own personal experience with orthorexia and binge eating disorder, and getting little tastes of the the process of of entering inpatient treatment. I had to interview for it and talk to many different doctors, and was monitored at the hospital. So. Just all of these conversations and experiences and chatting with other other therapists and psychiatrists and nutritionists who do work in eating disorder facilities and talking to so many clients who have had those experiences, that's kind of where a lot of my thoughts around this have, have come from. So the first thing I want to say is if someone has an eating disorder, it's, it's really important that they get professional help. And I think when it comes to eating disorder treatment centers, they are incredibly well-intentioned and they really want to help people get better, get to a goal weight to where they feel healthy and face any fear foods and do that in a safe way and a monitored way giving people the physical and mental health care that they, they really do need to get better. But I think sometimes the problem is that sometimes people leave that experience having a strained relationship with food in other ways. I have found that some people leave the experience feeling like food is a punishment and haven't learned to enjoy their meals, and where they might not be afraid of eating food in general anymore, they sometimes start to resent food, and and the mealtime experience isn't something that's enjoyed, and they haven't necessarily... Some of them feel like they haven't learned how to nourish their bodies properly and really listen to their hunger cues because some people feel like they have just been taught to eat X, Y, and Z amount that I've been told to eat and specific foods that they've been told to eat instead of learning to figure out what does my body need right now, how much does my body need right now. And recovery is a process, right? So let's say somebody has anorexia and they go into treatment and you know to get better you do have to eat past satiety but there's there's a point where eventually that person is up to a normal weight and eating regular meals where it can really help to have some education to teach them okay this is how we figure out what you need in the moment because you're not going to be told what and how much to eat forever and I found that there's a, a number of women who might, might leave those situations and because they haven't learned that skill, now they have a different kind of anxiety around food and they, they don't know what to eat or, or how to eat. And it's no longer a fear of necessarily eating or wanting to stay so thin. Maybe it's more of, it's more of this situation where they just think I, I don't even know what to eat anymore because they used to tell me what to eat and how much. And I kind of have this negative association with mealtime now because it just wasn't pleasant for me for so long. And, you know, eating is something that we have to do multiple times a day for the rest of our lives. So I think it's really important that people can enjoy that and feel like it's a nourishing experience. And it saddens me when sometimes it's turned into this this negative anxiety provoking experience additionally in most treatment situations you know the the patients are eating what's given to them and that includes a lot of different quote fear foods for different people they are eating you know sandwiches cookies ice cream cereal different foods but the focus is more on getting people to eat those fear foods and getting them to increase their weight and eat regular meals. And there there isn't a focus on nutrient density for a number of reasons. Money constraints and governmental guidelines probably all play into it. There's a lot there's a lot of play there. But you know, it's really interesting for me to chat with my friends who do work at eating disorder facilities and hear their experiences and uh, they tell me that it's difficult for them to, it's difficult for them because they, they want to help people heal and the facility wants that as well but there's this cognitive dissonance going on because the patients are being fed foods that aren't nutrient dense and aren't hel- really helping them heal at a cellular level physically and mentally. You know, we know that so much of mental health is connected with our gut health and our nutrient stores. If we are depleted in certain nutrients and certain amino acids, this can have a profound effect on our mental health. And I guess I just really wonder what what results would be like for people if there was more of a focus on Some more nutrient dense foods, and that doesn't mean that there can't be some cookies or cake and ice cream too. But you know, if there was more of a focus, more of focus on nutrient dense plates and helping the body repair and rebuild at a cellular level, helping the gut to heal, supporting the gut health, I just wonder what the results would be like for people because they could experience whole foods really nourishing their bodies and building them back up especially if any of those if any of those patients potentially have any food intolerances or negative physical side effects from certain ingredients you know that that's really difficult emotionally and to be forced to eat a food that that makes you sick is debilitating in terms of mental health but with the gut health specifically i have seen so many clients who have been through treatment for eating disorder, and or even if they haven't been in treatment, they just have struggled with disordered eating in the past. You know, they they have really poor gut health. Their guts are really in bad shape. And for those who have been in treatment, sometimes that damage was done prior to to treatment. And for some, it it might have been done while while they were there. And many of them also have major hormone imbalances, blood sugar issues, and this can manifest in so many different ways, whether that be their skin health, their mental health, their digestion. I've found that for a lot of people who have gone through recovery, bloating has become their new normal, and it it is actually a very common side effect or symptom of the recovery process to be bloated for a while, but it shouldn't be forever. I mean, if, if someone's been bloated for years after a treatment, there's something underlying going on. And in addition to the the gut health issues, the bloating, just a lot of nutrient deficiencies I find. Nutrients are what run our bodies. If we're aiming for overall health, we really want to make sure we have plenty of nutrients. This also brings me to the topic of of sugar consumption because Sugar can be one of the biggest causes of gut issues and dysbiosis and definitely affects our mental health. It can cause anxiety and depression and can trigger binge eating. And so when, you know, in recovery, if somebody's eating a lot of high sugar foods, I think it just really depends on the person because there needs to be some balance between, Yes, it's important to teach somebody that if they eat a sugary treat, they're going to be okay. They're not going to die. It's not the end of the world. But also, if that's all they're eating, that's that's not a nutritionally balanced diet. You know, I think that having having some education around here's what a balanced plate looks like. We can also include these foods that are higher in sugar, and there's no food that should be feared. I think there's just a balance here. And I hear from quite a few people that they felt like in recovery, they they felt like they were forced to eat mostly just sugar-filled foods that made them feel awful physically. And for many of them, they felt like they left with more health issues, more health issues than they started with, although they were different problems. And that saddens me to hear. I think that it's just so different for every person in terms of recovery and what they need. And... I think that there there are a lot of people who might benefit from more focus on nutrient density. I just think there might be a bigger picture. And I would just like to offer another approach that might not be right for everybody, but for some people it really helps them, and that is the approach of healing on a whole foods-based diet. And I have helped a lot of clients heal this way after... Going the traditional route didn't work for them and left them feeling awful or even worse than before or continuing to relapse. Versus when we go the whole foods approach, we are replenishing their nutrient stores, supporting their mental health, supporting their physical health, teaching them that food is something that can be enjoyed and not feared and they won't necessarily feel so sick and in pain all the time, and teaching them to cook and what a balanced meal looks like, and that they can also, you know, eat all these different treats that they like incorporating those foods but maybe just healthier options because here's the thing it's not bad if somebody cares about their health there's a difference between having having an eating disorder and being health conscious there really is and it really frustrates me when people say that if somebody cares about their health they have an eating disorder or they're orthorexic when that's that's not that's not always true. By any means, that's really unfair to say, you know, if somebody cares about their body in that way or they, they're trying to feel better, that that's disordered. But it's about figuring out who's coming from that place and who's coming from the place of, of fear. And let me tell you, I can talk to somebody and pretty pretty quickly figure out if they are interested in healing on a whole foods diet from a place of orthorexia or restriction or wanting to keep their weight at a certain level versus somebody who wants to heal with that approach because maybe they have underlying gut issues or mental health issues or they just really do care about their health and they are concerned about their health after this phase of of recovery in the long term. The former is somebody who really needs to maybe focus on those fear foods and maybe focus more on the sugary foods and the processed foods. And the latter might be somebody who might do better with a more whole foods-based approach. And I'm not saying it has to be one or the other. I think you could totally blend them. I just think that exploring that option is really important. And my personal experience with my mental health in terms of Binge eating and orthorexia, I don't feel like I was able to fully recover until I really focused on the nutrient density and built my body up that way. And in terms of my body image and, you know, the way I felt about my weight and kind of my desire to do anything sketchy to my body to stay a certain way, like all of those thoughts, all the anxiety around that was was at its worst when I was eating more processed foods and felt so addicted to sugar. That was my experience. And the more I focused on replenishing my nutrient stores and balancing out my neurotransmitters and healing my gut, the more balanced my mental health and emotional health became, the more confident I became, the more I learned not to fear food but to see it as something that could nourish me. And I know I've had plenty of clients, I've had plenty of friends who feel the same way, and maybe other people feel differently, and I totally honor and respect that. I just am trying to bring up another side of the equation. For some people, that different recovery approach can just be remarkable because they can come out of the experience really learning how food can nourish them and appreciating food for being healing and they have regulated blood sugar and their gut is healed and their, their skin looks great and they've put on that healthy weight and their mental health feels balanced. They just, they feel balanced versus sometimes people come out the traditional way and, you know, eating, a lot of more processed foods and maybe they've put on the weight, but they might still have a strained relationship with food. They might have anxiety around food in a different way. Sometimes they come out with one eating disorder. They, they came in with one eating disorder and leave with another, unfortunately, and, and their body might still be out of whack. They might still have blood sugar dysregulation or some type of underlying gut dysbiosis, still have anxiety or depression, And it's just, sometimes, it's a remarkable difference for people. And I really don't think we should shame people (laughs) for wanting to be healthy. Wanting to be healthy is not the same thing as wanting to restrict. It's all about intention. You know, does somebody want to engage or not engage in this behavior because they love themselves or because they hate themselves? There's a difference. And... You know, I've heard so many interesting stories about what goes on in treatment centers amongst staff, you know, and I it's not my place to get into too much detail, but I I've definitely heard a lot of stories from my friends where the other staff members get get sort of triggered or they have their own strained relationship with food because of the environment they're working in all the time. And I've had friends who have been shamed for bringing a healthy work lunch when they have overcome severe digestive issues. So they eat in a certain way to maintain their gut health and be able to function during the day. And it's really sad. I mean, I've had some of my friends have literally been told they cannot eat a healthy meal in front of the patients because it's triggering. And man, I mean, I could really go off on a tangent about that one, but with the story I'm thinking of in particular, it later came out that this person who got upset with her for bringing healthy meals for lunch later revealed that she was having a really hard time because since working at the treatment center, she had put on a lot of weight because she was eating all the processed foods with the with the patients and this whole thing. There's just so much that goes on. Oh man, this is sad. You guys, people have health issues. People have health issues. And let me revert back to my experience of having to gain weight and overcome a smell nourish state Um, I truly believe had I been sent to an anorexia treatment center, I truly believe I would have died because, because my body was shutting down and had I not healed my gut, I really believe I would have died. I was that close. I was in the hospital all the time. It was a disaster. And they were adamant that I just needed to put on weight. But guess what? I was eating so much food and not putting on weight. I had to get to the root of the issue and heal my gut so that I could put on weight. So my body could absorb whatever I was feeding it. And I really think had I been forced to eat these foods that I was intolerant to, that were just worsening my intestinal permeability and worsening the health of my gut in general, I wouldn't have been able to absorb the food. I wouldn't have put on the weight. And I probably, probably wouldn't it be here. I honestly believe that. It is absolutely possible to use real food to heal and not everybody should. Not everybody needs to, but there are plenty of people who could recover really well in this way. And I would love for this to become something that is thought about or offered as an option more often than it is now but again it's not for everybody and it has to be done correctly but it's very possible but you really need to work with somebody and you need to have that person monitor your caloric intake and make sure you are getting plenty of calories it's the number one thing there somebody needs to be monitoring what's going on and making sure that you are focusing on the nutrient-dense foods necessary and if there's any other underlying issues, working on those as well, like any underlying gut dysbiosis, hormonal imbalances. And I think a lot of the girls I've worked with come out with such a better relationship with food because we make it fun. They can make all of these, these desserts and they're getting the calories that they need. They're eating healthy foods and they're also eating, quote, fear foods and they're not in pain because this This is, I want to circle back to why, I want to circle back to the fact that the cause of an eating disorder is different for everybody and sometimes it's physiological. And if somebody has candida overgrowth, for instance, that makes you feel like a total sugar monster, this can lead to binge eating. If somebody... Has SIBO or any type of gut dysbiosis, this can lead to binge eating, this can lead to malabsorption or parasites, any of these gut infections. Okay, this is just one example of how these can lead to binge eating if you are if if the symptom for you is that you're starving all the time. Or it can lead to malabsorption, which can lead to extreme weight loss. And if you have any type of food intolerance, this can lead to Orthorexia and fear foods because guess what? If every time you ate a food you got stabbing stomach pains that made you roll on the floor of your bathroom all night, and or bloating so bad for days that you couldn't even stand up, just severe pain, crazy diarrhea, constipation. If if you vomited, if you had an extreme reaction to a food, maybe you break out in hives, you'd probably become a little afraid of it too. Honestly, can you imagine? I want you to imagine right now. After every time you ate food you threw up. This happens to people with certain types of gut infections or IBD. This can happen. And so obviously, imagine imagine an animal in the wild. If every time they eat a freaking berry, they throw up, they think that berry's toxic and they're like, "I'm not eating that damn berry. That berry is not good for me." It's human nature. A lot of people are just trying to protect themselves. This is a natural. This is our natural instinct. If you eat something and it causes you severe pain, then you probably don't want to eat it again because survival. And I'm not saying this is true for everybody with an eating disorder, but I'm saying there are a lot of people who get triggered into eating disorders because of gut issues or even autoimmune disease or... Even hormonal imbalances that affect your appetite in all kinds of weird ways. Leptin resistance, for instance, can totally lead to binge eating. And sometimes anorexia, when you get to the root, sometimes it is because someone has been struggling so long with severe food intolerances, a gut issue that's making everything they eat just not digest well, extreme bloating. Sometimes they're all overlapped. It can be a confusing web, which is why it is so helpful to get to the root of the issue. And I really just wish that the, the space could somehow figure out... I mean, in my perfect Christina world, at every eating disorder facility, um, there would be NTPs there explaining the foundations of health and focusing on nutrient density and explaining how an underlying health issue could be making things worse. And also, for a lot of people who have severe weight loss or weight gain resistance, sometimes literally all they might have to do is heal their gut or their hormones. And that really helps to regulate the weight. And I mean, my first bout of candida, a big part of why I was binging was because of of that candida overgrowth that was making me feel like an out-of-control sugar monster. And I stopped binging. I stopped, all of my urges stopped when I finally went the functional approach and cleared those gut issues versus when I, you know, I was trying to take medications and see different therapists for binging and go only the emotional route and taking medications. And it didn't, it didn't personally help me. That was just my experience. And many people might have had a different experience, but I just wanted to offer this other potential perspective and something to think about. And with my orthorexia, as soon as I actually started finally healing my gut, which was only possible with a whole foods diet and proper supplementation, I was able to reintroduce foods and I wasn't getting these horrible reactions anymore you guys, I used to faint every time I had a carb. Like, I had part of a sweet potato and I passed out. I had to pull over on the side of the freeway. I have fainted from garlic many times before, okay? So when I started healing my gut and I stopped having such extreme reactions that I was reintroducing, that led me to food freedom and I naturally wanted to eat my, my fear food. So I just wanted to give those examples To explain that the root cause of restriction or disordered eating isn't so black and white and it can come from so many different places and, you know, binge eating or being underweight isn't always because of restriction. There's just so many different factors at play. And I also just really think that focusing on nutrient-dense nourishing foods can help anybody. And I just think that the path to recovery looks, looks different for each individual. And we should, you know, honor that. For some people, it it might look like eating all of their fear foods and really focusing on that. And they might not have any underlying gut issues or hormone issues. It might be, you know, really focusing on the mental health and um, eating those fear foods and eating some processed foods that that's, Maybe that's what's going to help them overcome this hurdle right now. And for other people, it might be that there needs to be a strong emphasis on healing the gut and replenishing nutrient stores and feeding them foods that don't make them feel sick so they feel safe to eat those foods. And, and maybe that's the path. There's just so many different options. There's not one clear road to recovery for everybody and I just really highly encourage people to not project their own experience onto everybody else because what might what might have helped you might actually be detrimental to somebody else and vice versa. At the end of the day, we all should love our bodies, respect our bodies, nourish our bodies, and I just think that the shaming isn't isn't getting anyone anywhere and we should respect people's people's separate paths to, quote, food freedom and figuring out what works for them. Everyone's healing journey is so different. You guys, I don't think I've ever said this on the podcast, but I tell my friends this all the time and I talk about this all the time. Like, If I ever get to a point where I'm just rolling in dough, the first thing I'm doing is opening up an eating disorder facility that is focused on nutrient density and a real food recovery option and that is like, I would love to be able to offer that to people because I think it's so needed. And I'm I'm going to, I'm like crying. But I just see how these how these people struggle. And some of them tell me they feel traumatized by their experiences in recovery. Four of my clients right now have been in treatment centers in the past. And, and these four all have gut issues. And two of them believe that you know, this came up during treatment and two of them believe that it started before before treatment, the gut issues started long before. And they've expressed that they think that they fell into their eating disorders because they've always had health issues related to food. They've always gotten sick from certain foods. They've always had gut dysbiosis. So it just goes to show you, we need to work on root cause and really help people heal fully so that they can move forward feeling the best they can. And lastly, I just want to touch on, um, I mean, I kind of touched on this when they said if, if she's hearing this kind of these kinds of things, she's not recovered. I'm sorry. You can be recovered and care. Like, if you care about your health, that doesn't mean you're not recovered. So anyone who says that is just, they're not recovered, to be honest. Um, and that people were saying my page is triggering and orthorexic and that nutritional science is a scam. Okay, well, nutritional science is for sure not a scam. I don't think I need to <laughs> prove my point there. And if my account triggers someone, then they shouldn't follow me. I'm sorry. I can anyone can trigger anyone, and I just encourage you to not follow anyone who triggers you. And if that's me, don't follow me. If that's Sally Sue over here, don't follow me. To be quite honest, a lot of there's a lot of a lot of body positivity accounts, a lot of um, eating disorder recovery accounts that are just pushing this junk food thing that I just cannot follow because it it kills me. And sometimes it just keeps people in the eating disorder cycle. If, if somebody's shaming the way you recover, they are not fully recovered. That's all I can say about that. Um, and if somebody thinks that I'm orthorexic because I care about my health and my nutrition, then they just don't know me. And I don't really care because I know what it's like to be orthorexic. And I am so grateful every day that I am no longer in, in that place. I am so blessed that I'm out of that. And I know what that felt like. I never want to go back there. I love myself way too much to ever let myself go back there, been there, done that. And you know, that's it. And it doesn't really matter what somebody else thinks. So that's what I'm going to leave you with. If you listen to my whole rant, then thank you. Thank you for listening. And if you totally disagree with me, that's totally cool. I respect your opinion. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion. This was just mine and this is a topic that I actually talk to my friends about quite often because most of my good friends have had experiences in treatment centers around treatment centers working with patients with with eating disorders, clients with eating disorders because health issues, gut issues, hormone imbalances they are so correlated with eating disorders and I think a lot of a lot of people's disordered eating or eating disorders could be potentially you know, wrapped up in that and both can cause the other. It's different for everybody, but at the end of the day I think we all just want each other to heal and let's stop the food shaming and stop the endless projections of our own problems onto other people. We have all done it, we all do it, but awareness is key. That's what I aim for. Awareness. Always awareness. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you think this would help somebody you know then share it with them if you want to discuss this more i would love to hear your thoughts in the facebook group wellness realness podcast tribe there are always more resources on this topic on my website christinaricewellness.com if you have any more specific questions would you if you would like a follow-up then definitely send them in to wellness.com or leave a comment on one of my blog posts and Let's continue the conversation. So thanks again for tuning in. Hope you have an awesome rest of your day. Go eat some delicious food. And I'll chat with you again next time. Bye.